So I guess maybe not many people know that I'm actually a qualified sailor and I have my Yachtmaster navigation qualifications and I'm qualified as a coastal skipper as well. Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> yeah. When did you do that? I, I've sailed ever since um, I was young. My family's really into sailing. So probably been on boats since I was about nine. And um, then one summer I took some time out and got my actual qualifications. So yeah. Mm. Name something you don't like doing. I love parties and going out, but I'm not very keen on small talk with people I don't know. I find that quite tricky. Same. Same. <laughs> what makes you happy? Spending time with my two boys, Sam and Finn, um, and just seeing them grow up and change. Um, yeah, that's great. What motivates you? Um, I think I'm really motivated by problem solving and doing things better so if I see something where I feel like oh that could be better or we could come up with a new way of doing that that might be helpful for people uh, yeah that I find that really motivating how would your friends describe you in three words versus your students I don't really know but I'm going to go with I Have think my guess. friends I think my friends would uh say that I was controversial okay. I was fun and direct mm -hmm. and I hope I don't know I think my students would say that I'm dedicated um enthusiastic yeah but also possibly scary you were you were <laughs> at the start at the start of lower five like we were all quite scared because we'd heard stories but then I feel like <laughs> as we got to know you no, you, you, you're not, you're not scary anymore. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay, let's start with the questions. I won't ask about those stories. <laughs> let's start with the actual questions. Can you tell our listeners what your role at Colford is? Yeah, so um, I'm assistant head academic. So my role is really to think about the development of our teachers at Colford. I work in the academic senior team along with Mrs Thompson and Dr Guntrip. And while Mrs. Thompson looks at pupil progress and tracks how pupils are progressing, I'm really about supporting teachers. So part of what I do is looking at the onboarding of new staff when they join the school. How do we get people settled as quickly as possible into Calford? I also um, run our professional development program for teachers and I think about how we can support teachers to be the best they can be in the classroom and also support their career development. And um, this year, I've also been working on our new appraisal system for teachers. 
What does that mean? Like... Making sure that people get to have regular checking conversations with the people they line manage so that they feel like they're progressing well, they've got someone who cares about how they're doing, someone who's recognising their performance in work, mm-hmm. but also so that we're having honest conversations with each other about um, maybe when things are not going so well. Okay, and why do you think professional development is important for teachers and the school community? So I think we need to be a culture that embraces career-long learning. So it shouldn't be that once we've trained that that's it. Oh, right, fine, I'm a teacher, I know what I'm doing. Because obviously things are changing all the time. And we know that there are developments in things like cognitive science where, you know, we're learning more and more about how pupils learn, how adults learn. And we're learning more about the best ways in which we can help people learn. And so it seems to me that it's really important that teachers are up to date on those developments and that they are continually thinking about how they can do things better for everyone. Um, And I think it does also help to keep the job interesting. So it might be that I've taught Romeo and Juliet a thousand times, um, but actually... Uh, much as I love Romeo and Juliet, it's also really interesting and keeps me more engaged as a teacher if I'm thinking, well, each time, how can I teach this a little bit better? How can Mm. I help students engage with it more? Yeah. And when and why did you decide to become a teacher? So I uh, finished my degree and decided that I wanted to live abroad. So I applied for a job teaching in a school in Sri Lanka, in Colombo. So I spent a year in Colombo and they were happy to take me unqualified, which was a bit questionable. But anyway, they did. And I really loved that experience. But still at that point, I was still really young, wasn't really quite sure. So I went into business publishing for a couple of years and I worked as an editor um, for a big business publishing firm. And I just really missed the teaching, having Mm -hmm. done it for a year in Sri Lanka. And I felt like I was good at it. Um, And I think also, like, I love my subject. I love literature. I like uh, reading about literature. I love writing about literature. And I think it's quite hard to find a job that is very close to that, Mm -hmm. whereas teaching was really close to that. And I suppose I also I'm really motivated by something that I have, I feel like has real meaning Mm. and purpose. Yeah, impact. And I think that, you know, while teaching is challenging, you you never get to the end of a week and think, oh, well, what have I done this week? That was a bit pointless or that didn't matter. It always feels like it really matters. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's that's where So I suppose both my subject and also wanting to do something that really impacted people's lives. You've worked and lived in Singapore for a while. Can you tell us about that experience? Um, Yeah, so I went out there just after we got married. We moved out there in 2010 and I worked for a school called the United World College of Southeast Asia, which is a huge school, much, much bigger than here. So at the time I worked on there, they had 3,000 pupils on one campus and 2,000 on the other campus. So it's it's much bigger. And um, yeah, lived out there for five years, worked with some amazing teachers out there. And it was because it was an international school, you worked with teachers from uh you know France Canada all over the place which was a brilliant experience and um 
living in Singapore was fascinating because again is a very vibrant expat community so you get to live with people and become friends with people from all over the world and because you're based in um a sort of hub of Southeast Asia in terms of travel we also got the opportunity to go to Australia and New Zealand other parts of Southeast Asia um and travel to China so yeah it was really exciting how has your career developed since then being in Singapore i had my first child in singapore and in singapore the maternity leave is a bit different so i went back to full time work after 14 weeks so i had a very short maternity leave in comparison to what you might have here so initially when i came back to calford and i had my second child fairly on after starting at calford so um initially i was kind of part time a bit just mm-hmm. um to take some time out with the boys but it's been great being at calford has been amazing for my career and um i started doing new staff induction and that sort of led to thinking about professional development and thinking about how i could um support calford with that it's been brilliant to step on the senior leadership team mm-hmm. at calford and to work with dr gontrip and to work with mrs bentley and it's been you know i i miss my subject teaching sometimes because i do less of it now and i certainly miss i'm doing a bit less a level this year which i definitely yeah. miss but on the other hand it's really interesting to work on a slightly larger scale and mm-hmm. sort of see think how things fit together i suppose from a different perspective yeah and how would you say colford is different to other schools you've worked in i think colford Calford is very very flexible with its pupils so i would say while other schools have very kind of rigid systems and structures which funnel pupils through in one type of way mm. i think one of the huge benefits of colford is that sort of bespoke journey that the pupil can go on and i think that does feel really different to me mm-hmm. i think the level at which teachers and particularly tutors get to know their pupils is quite different from other schools i mean especially coming from a school that was so big in mm-hmm. singapore um this is a very different much more family community mm-hmm. yeah agree moving on um to english mm. tell me three books everyone should read before they die and why <laughs> i know this, this is a very difficult question, question. But... yeah the first book i would choose is virginia wolf's yeah. mrs dalloway because for me that when i first read it and i was in the sixth form when i first read it it changed what i realized novelists could do with a novel and how they portrayed character and it was so different to me to all the other novels i'd read even novels kind of that come before virginia wolf and novels after for me it felt quite revolutionary and it felt as though she was really doing something different um with the genre mm-hmm. I mean in terms of should read I think it's really hard there's there's so many amazing things I suppose as someone who's kind of studies literature I think the should reads are not necessarily the things that you're going to find most fun mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mrs Dalloway you might well not find quite fun because yeah. it's it's really challenging but I suppose it's it's choosing texts that shift what you think of mm. things and and shift how you think things can be done. I mean I suppose I'd go back to Jane Austen as mm. foundational for a lot of our understanding of 
narrative perspective in novels and again the way characters are presented so if Virginia Woolf is doing something really quite different in the early 20th century she's still harking back to what Jane Austen did Mm. and you know Jane Austen showed us that you can write novels as a woman from a woman's perspective and really that you can use the things around you and the things that you are observing in everyday life and she you know all of her novels essentially focus on women getting married Mm -hmm. and their kind of friendships and the things around that, which is not dramatic or um, particularly revolutionary or exciting in terms of its content matter. But what Jane Austen does is she observes people very, very well and she observes different characters and she starts to show us how we can really get inside the minds of characters In terms of a novel I've read really recently, which I actually thought was amazing and I really loved, I mean, I'm not sure if this is one of my my top three ever, but given that we've talked about me being in Sri Lanka, Mm. um, was The Seven Moons of Marley Almeida, which won the Booker um, recently. And that was so interesting because it's a, a, a very sort of strange novel and you you kind of struggle to get into it at first because it's told from the point of view of a photographer in Sri Lanka who's been killed. Okay. It's quite like fantastical at times, but I thought that was an amazing example of blending kind of realism with sort of fantasy, but politics. Yeah, I was actually um, looking at what was it? I think The Guardian, they're doing like a book of the day. Oh, yeah. And it was called like The Alphabet Diaries. Oh, okay. And it was like this woman's yeah. diaries for like 10 years. Yeah. And like by alphabet, every sentence, so it had all the A sentences, like the sentences <laughs> that start with A. And it was like, people found it really, some people didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. And some people loved it because it was like just all these stories, different stories from different times. And like they were all sort of connected. Yeah, yeah. But I thought I'm, that's on my to read list. Yeah. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Because I've never read anything that's like a bit different, really, like yeah. the form and stuff. So I was like, yeah. I'll have a little read of that. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that's the interesting thing, is, isn't it? When people sort of deliberately experiment mm. and they and they sort of take something different. And I sometimes think... Like one of the ways of seeing the shift between the 19th century and 20th century in terms of fiction is, you know, 19th century is very much about plot and story and moving things forward. Whereas into the 20th century and into the modernists, you see more of a focus on how the story is told, Mm. not just kind of what the story Mm. is. So, yeah, that sounds an interesting one. Okay, now back to teaching. (laughs) What methods do you use to keep pupils inspired and engaged? Um, I suppose I start with my own inspiration and so I think it's always really important for me whether I'm teaching writing or reading or whatever text I'm teaching that I find the aspect of the text that I find interesting mm-hmm. because I think I think your own passion as a teacher comes across to your pupils and I think if you like show you don't really care about it or don't think it's important I think the pupils Mm -hmm. really quickly pick up on that I try to keep it fairly demanding I I kind of believe that we're in school to learn and for something to be challenging I think it's really important that by the end of a lesson a pupil should feel oh I really had to think today I don't think you want a lesson where it's like, yeah, well, I kind of knew all of that Mm. already. So I suppose I always try and think what is going to be new, what is going to 
really force people to stop and think. I suppose I try to have a bit of a balance between um, things that we're doing as a whole class versus paired work versus group work. So people get an opportunity to work in different ways, mm-hmm. having a bit of a variety. Yeah, and it just makes it more fun. It's not like the same thing all the time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had a nice lesson on Saturday morning, actually, with um, my upper fifth, who are working really hard at the moment. And we um, we actually happened to be in one of the maths rooms for that lesson. And um, they have these huge whiteboards Mm. around the walls in maths. And so they did some paired essay planning on the big whiteboards. And that was really nice because it's a really easy way for me to see how their arguments Mm. are progressing through. And so I think it's just, yeah, changing it up is important. Now, this is a kind of a weird question, but do you think teachers will be replaced by AI in the future? No, but I think that teachers who haven't engaged with AI will be replaced by the teachers who have engaged Mm, with it. So I don't think AI will replace teaching, but I think if you are a teacher who doesn't get on board with how to use AI, Mm. how to teach pupils how to use AI, then I think that is the more dangerous element. Um, And I think... I think the reality is, is that AI is already part of the workplace. And so it's our job as schools to think about, well, how can we support pupils um, with how they use that? And actually, I think English is going to be quite an important one because essentially you're writing text prompts. Mm. And that is about how articulate you are and how you frame things. Mm. Um, So English will become even more important. (laughs) (laughs) What's a memorable or impactful moment from your teaching career that has stayed with you? Wow, yeah, lots. I had, um, this was right back when I was teaching in one of my first schools, which was a school called Queen's College, which was a girls' school on Harley Street. And I'd been reading uh, Of Mice and Men um, with the class And we were reading the very final pages, which, as you know, are quite heart wrenching. And there was we stopped the final page and um, with Slim and George chatting and there was just this absolute silence in the room. And then I just heard this sort of gulping sob from the back of the room of of one of the girls who was just so upset by it. And you know what? It's never happened again Mm. until this year when the same thing happened. Yeah, the end of our reading. Yeah, this year. So um, it's... And that that's lovely. I mean, and yeah. that's not really about me as a teacher. That's much more about that text mm. and how powerful effect, that text yeah. is. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think for me, it's what I find memorable is my relationships with pupils. So mm-hmm. I had a great relationship with your group. Yeah. And there's lots of you who I think, you know, I would be really sad to see you move <laughs> on. And that's for me what I remember is is kind of the individual yeah. people and... Um, getting to know them thank you for chatting with me oh it's been so nice to talk to you Eleanor and um, thanks for having me on the podcast no worries thanks for listening to On The Air we'd love you to comment like and share our podcast series and if you'd like to get in touch please visit our website colford.co.uk or drop us a message on socials this podcast is made for entertainment purposes only and is copyright of Colford School Views and opinions are our own and deemed correct at the time of publishing. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes.